I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Ah, welcome to the Leaves of Glen basement. Mansion, damn it. I'm only a second in and I'm already uh, tearing down the fourth wall. Welcome to the Leaves of Glen mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. Uh, this is where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, well, we're going to continue to read uh, chapters three and four of uh, Castle of Terror by Caroline Farr. It's a gothic horror novel, uh, first published in August of 1975. Uh, about the author, we don't know much about the author, but we do know that most of the titles from Horowitz Productions' uh, gothic series were written between 1966 and 1977. <laughs> it's a long time, 11 years, uh, by Caroline Farr, a pseudonym of Australian writer Richard Wilkes Hunter. Though uh, other writers were known to have used the Caroline Farr house name. I love that term, house name. I need to get a nickname, and then I can call it my house name, that people just use around my house and nowhere else. Fun facts? Well, we don't know anything about this author, so there are no fun facts. I looked him up. I looked him up extensively. There's nothing on this guy. Probably because he's from Australia, and apparently on Wikipedia and everywhere else on the internet, no one cares about anyone from Australia. Uh, so I decided to make stuff up. Uh, so continuing with the last time I made stuff up, uh, this time I'm going to say noted pervert Richard Dick Wilkes Hunter uh, began his life on October 23rd, 1943, a date I totally made up, in Bottom Fancy, Australia, which is a real place. I actually looked that up. Uh, and he was raised on an elk farm by his parents, Tristan Wilkes Hunter, and his wife, noted for her beauty, Babette. In 1962, uh, Dick created the house named Caroline Farr as an anagram from the words uh, Naked Hands and Feet. Uh, his first two novels were stories about a gumshoe tracking down missing hand and foot models, respectively. Uh, his novels didn't do so well uh, with his friends telling him to uh, uh, give up writing. But he vowed he wasn't going to go back to that, quote, goddamn boy school again, and decided to team up with Horowitz uh, Publications to create a series of gothic horror novels. Uh, saying, and I quote from the Dick Cavett show, I knew that if I wanted to stay out of that boy school, I need to swallow my pride and give the babies their bottle. Oh, it's guaranteed money. We all skim a little bit off the top, and everyone gets their beaks wet. So, uh, that's all I can make up about that. Really got nothing else. And I have nothing else to talk about in my life. Uh, this is uh, going to be a short one because I'm trying to kick out a couple episodes while I am gone in Europe. I'm going to Italy. I'm going to Italy with my special lady friend uh, who was nice enough to say, let's go to Italy. And I said, oh, all right, let's do that. That'll be weird. So um, I'm going to make a short episode because i got to crank this shit out. Uh, and by the time you hear this, I'll either 
be on a plane or uh, be in Italy uh, trying to sleep. Or I'll be in the middle of the ocean. One of the three. But uh, whatever the deal is, uh, I really don't have anything else to say about it. We're going to get together, like I said before, with uh, Wanda from uh, from Words to Ideas podcast, which is a good show you should go check out. She hasn't made anything in a while because she's lazy. Uh, and her husband, who's in the military. And so the four of us are going to meet up in Rome, walk around places like uh, the Coliseum, and just say dumb shit. I'll do my Midwestern accent, which people say I already do right now, which I don't, because I totally talk normal. Uh, I'm going to say, tell you, oh, oh, look at that Coliseum. That's not very big. You can't fit many people in there, not like we do now. We're going to say shit like that. And then uh, the girlfriend will talk in a eastern accent, which will probably terrify everyone, and, uh, and then uh, Wanda, who's German, will just look at people disapprovingly, like some kind of crabby aunt. Somebody will bring her her food at a restaurant, she'll just stare at them and stare at the food, and then stare at their hands, and then stare back up at them again, and then the person will look at their hands and be like, what the hell's wrong with my hands? I thought everything was fine. I gave you your food like you asked. Oh, well, thank God. Why don't we uh, go down to the library and start reading this chapter? Hope you're getting all settled in. Uh, you dress normal, which I appreciate, and uh, your hands look clean. And I love that about you, that you've got small, kept nails that are clean. Chapter 3. After dinner, Count Pedro Renisi and I spent several hours discussing the breeding and racing of thoroughbred horses in the United States. Oh, oh, is Shane a bored and sometimes resentful listener? Dick Shane. Just get out of there. Just go sit up in your room, you pile of shit. Count Renese had been showing me what a charming man he could be. Oh, had yet at the same time extracting all the useful information from me that he could get about my father's successful breathing methods. Oh, he leaned back and studied me, smiling, and near me, Shane moved uneasily and, and glanced at his watch. Uh, you're, uh, uh, you're quite a comfortable... Uh, Remarkable, mm, young woman, mm, uh, uh, Megan, Count Renese said admiringly. I've uh, learned a lot tonight. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, he nodded approvingly and then noticed Shane's resentful expression. Smiled. I'm afraid I've become so interested in talking to you, Megan. I forgot about my duty as a host. Shane, uh, would you like to show her the castle? Uh, the collection won't be ready to inspect until our guests arrive tomorrow, and I have to check with Luigi about that. Oh, and it might spoil the effect for Megan if she saw it tonight. Uh, 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 Luigi is presenting the collection using models like those he used in the museum in Italy, where he once worked. Oh, I've seen uh, some of them. Uh, and, and they're amazingly lifelike, Shane said, obviously pleased that we'd be alone together for a while. That must be more frightening down there at night with the models, but uh, implements of torture are not Count Petro's only objects de art. That's a D apostrophe art. Uh, he has a library full of rare books and in the reception room, paintings, uh, antique furniture, uh, all kinds of beautiful things you can admire in comfort. Hmm? Torture chambers aren't supposed to be comfortable. I glanced at Count Renese. Uh, Any time after dark, it'd be uh, too late for me to view the collection. 
Shane was trying to scare you, Count Renizzi said, with an amused glance. They're just the rare prizes of a primitive machinery. That's the way I see them. If you could forget their purpose, uh, you'll find some pieces, like the Iron Maiden, most ingenious. But then you are used to Adam Lester's collection of miniatures, and one could say the same of them since they are working models. Mr. Lester doesn't have lifelike models of the victims, I said doubtfully. What was... uh, Oh, that was what you meant? Wow, I'm really faltering already, and I've barely gotten started on page two. Yes, it was. In honor of my guests, Adam Lester in particular. Luigi is presenting each device in the collection using the models. Luigi and his assistant, Niccolo, are working tonight to complete the project before our guests arrive in the morning. Oh, you may find some of the scenes startling, I admit, but are interesting because they demonstrate how these things were used. Now you scared me, I said. He laughed. Yeah, why not, Megan? Fear is what the collection is all about. Ah, fear in other people can be entertaining. That's gross. Uh, What has made the spectacle of public torture and the cruel execution so attractive to the public of ancient times? Oh, when they were permitted by their feudal lords to witness it, and the attraction that drew the crowds was the fear of the unfortunate victims as, screaming and pleading, uh, they were dragged forcibly towards the implement that would tear them apart or kill them slowly. Hmm? In some other excruciating way, people found the fear that preceded torture far more entertaining than the pain inflicted upon the victims after torture began. I shuddered. Eh, that's, that's horrible. But true, Count Renizzi said dryly. He stood up. Now say good night to you both, and after I've seen Luigi, my secretary has some correspondence for me to check in the study. If you want anything, ring for Carla. Uh, she will bring you drinks, uh, coffee, uh, anything you want to the reception room or, or, or wherever you are. I said good night and walked out with Shane while Count Renizzi went to his room for a warm coat. He suggested we both do the same tomorrow night when we all went down to the dungeons to view the collection. He explained sardonically that it would be cold down there, even though Luigi would have a fire burning in the hot iron brazier. Brazier? 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 I don't have a Kindle, so I can't see how to pronounce this. I'm going to say brazier, because that's hilarious. As we walked into the huge reception room near the entrance, Shane said, Oh, I thought you'd never stop talking about horses, you two. Uh, You're as bad as Uncle Adam. I was interesting, I said placatingly, and helpful to one of your uncle's clients. Which is more interesting, you, Megan, he asked resentfully. The horse talk, uh, or the count? Shane, I said, growing angry. I'm sorry, groaned, avoiding my angry eyes. You don't suppose I should be jealous, do you? Don't be ridiculous, I said, startled. I turned my back on him and crossed the room to stare up at an oil painting mellowed by age. A painting that I hardly saw. Die jolted at me uh, at that time, uh, staring at the painting vacantly. I heard him cross the room to join me. Suppose he had fallen in love with me. Oh, it gave an odd sort of exhilaration. That's a constable, he muttered. Uh, what is? The gloomy landscape you're staring at so uninterestedly. Shane, let's not quarrel, I said impulsively. We only have a few days here, so let's make the most of it. Okay. I had put my hand on his arm impulsively. He stilled, looking down at it. 
The last thing I want is to quarrel with you, Megan, he said slowly. Well, then don't, particularly about the count. After all, you interested, or you insisted I come here. Yasmin will be here tomorrow, so uh, he won't even see me once she arrives. No way! Oh, you're too attractive, Megan. And I thought you said Yasmin and he. That's uh, four dots. I said Yasmin didn't like him, I said, lowering my voice, but he likes Yasmin. I told you he could dig his eyes off her. Now that's the way I feel about you, he said resentfully. Uh, Maybe what I said was true, and I am falling in love. So I get jealous for real when I uh, head him him smooth-talking you. That's misspelling. Uh, Who uh, wouldn't be jealous around a guy like Renizzi? Oh, he's got it all. assets (laughs) i have to start using that from now on oh tom hanks has it all the guy's got assets good looks technique experience with women what chance would i have i laughed (laughs) shane be sensible you're not in love with me Uh, we just like being in each other's company well isn't that uh like at least the beginnings of love come on admit it why, then why am I jealous, he demanded. Ah, you're just hopeless, Shade Lester, I said, shaking my head at him. Ah, you don't have to be in love to be jealous. Some, most of the time. Ask any woman you know. It's normal to be jealous about a friendship with someone you like. That's creepy. That's weird. That's not how people should operate. I moved away from the constable landscape I had barely seen to the next painting, and he followed slowly. Maybe that's the way it is with me, he said gloomily. Uh, That's why you don't understand the things I'm doing, Dash, because you're not jealous. You don't want me as a friend. Four dots. Oh, but I do, I admitted vehemently. I've thought about you ever since that summer at Greenfield Shade and wished you'd spend another vacation in Maryland with us. Oh, I smiled, remembering something suddenly that I hadn't fully realized before, and I had to admit uh, to one twinge of jealousy about you that was much uh, about cause as yours has been about me. He frowned, interrupting me. I don't remember you reacting. I didn't let you see. I was too silly. Uh, Remember telling me how pretty the girls are in Stormhaven Village? Yes, at the car. Uh, When we reached here, Carla let us in. Turning the page because I'm not on a fucking Kindle. And when she smiled at you, I knew you hadn't been exaggerating. Carla is very attractive girl. Just as you said so, dot, 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 I left it there. Well, goddamn, he muttered disbelievingly. Then glanced around, lowering his voice. Carla is also one of the village girls. I meant when I would warn you about Petro. You mean he? Oh, she's crazy about him. Haven't you noticed? He shook his head. Most of the girls who work here are... Oh, oh, Carl's no exception. He hesitated. Megan, I promise I'll try to be good and not spoil the party for either of us. Only when I lose my cool about you, it doesn't seem to be anything I can control. It just happens. I try, I said coldly. Otherwise, uh, we could have one big quarrel and no friendship. You dig, Shane? (laughs) Oh, I wish the next line was, yes, yes, I dig, I dig. He nodded. I watched him studying my expression and deciding I meant it. I wouldn't like that, Megan, he admitted seriously. Neither would I, Shane, I said, and I don't seem to be in the mood for admiring the couch treasure tonight. Uh, I was already tired when you called the hotel. It's been too long and too trying a day. Good night, Shane. 
Now walk upstairs with you, he said contritely. At the door of my room, the impulse prompted me to give him a sisterly kiss. I had to escape before he could make it more than that. Oh, oh, I slipped into my room and closed the door, practically in his face. Uh, cool. I learned against the clo- or leaned against the closed door, staring into the light of glowing log fire one of the maids had lit for me at the square of darkness that was my window. Oh, oh, I heard Shane fumble uncertainly with the door handle, and he muttered my name, then, then gave up and went away. Shane was falling in love with me. But there didn't seem to be anything I could do about it, uh, more than I had already done. When I had undressed and was ready for bed, I walked across to the window and looked out. Everything, everything was still outside. <laughs> I love the concept of looking out the window. Yep, still there. It's all still there. Uh, and there was faintly visible stars showing, and no moon, but at least it was fine and there was no wind. I hoped it would be fine in the morning and stay that way for days to come. Oh, the Count promised us a clam bake on his island, uh, uh, somewhere out at sea, and I had never been to a clam bake. Someone down there was approaching along the gravel drive, and I could hear the crisp sound the gravel made. Oh, I drew back, not wishing to see seen in the silhouette against the light of the nightgown. Oh, but curiosity held on just out of sight from below, while the steady footsteps said, if the person had seen me there, there uh, was no hesitation in their stride. I decided it was a man, for the footsteps were, uh, were heavy, uh, and he hadn't looked up. Oh, there were lighted windows toward the rear of the great building. Windows that I suppose must be eh, the kitchen, eh, 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 servants' quarters. A light blazed above the end door, and I would automatically see him there as he passed or went inside. He began to materialize from the shadows, a tall, dark figure walking confidently. Some member of the household, I had no doubt. Well, that just causes me to take pause for a moment, because rejecting a lover uh, and also uh, the idea of a man sneaking into your house reminds me of uh, a certain someone that I've met before in my past, Stephen Dorglas. Stephen Dorglas was a a man who was a failed uh, male model. Why? Because his legs were too skinny. He had a great upper body, but crap legs. Uh, And he... We had a whirlwind lifestyle during his time trying to become a male model where he, he met uh, Belinda Carlisle, who was famous from a 1980s band. Oh, and they had a, a small, brief uh, kind of tryst, sort of a flirtation. But he realized I could never make this woman happy. This is a woman at the peak of her success, and all I'm going to do is bring her down. I'm going to bring her down with these tiny little cigarettes I have for legs, these crap legs. So Stephen Dorglas decided to focus all of his attention on starting his own company, which is Doorglass Incorporated, which is D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. They're dedicated to fabricating and professionally installing the highest quality glass products from the nation's top manufacturers. All their inventory, combined with their years of experience, makes them the premier source for installation and repair. They approach every project with the same goals, professionalism, integrity, and most importantly, they're discreet. What do they do? They do commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and they design and build almost anything you can ask for. Oh, he'll do it. He'll do it with a kind of look in his eye. A look that says, I'm a man that loved once, and I loved well, but I had to turn down that love because I didn't want to hold that person back from their full potential. Here I am with my huge silverback-like upper body and my tiny twigs for legs. 
I can't bring anyone down with me in this hell that I live in. Oh, he'll, just like the man that sneaks to your house, oh, he'll start your project on your home. Oh, and he'll do it, and he's kind of quiet. You try to make small talk with him, like, oh, he looks like you're doing pretty good there with those doors there. And you'd be like, yeah, uh, and he won't say much. And you start to think, well, that's a man that carries the weight of a, a heavy heart. And then he'll show up at your house at three in the morning. He'll just sneak up wearing like a weird robe and a leather mask. And he'll just sneak up and he'll keep working on your house. Why is he working on your house? Because he's trying to do what he can to quell the pain. The pain of letting, uh, what did I say her name was? Belinda Carnell. <laughs> the love that he let go. And he checks her out on Facebook, goes to people.com and checks out what she's doing and uh, sees that she's doing really, really, really well. Meanwhile, he's got a, a glass company and all he could do is work at your house at three in the morning to try and forget where his life is compared to hers. Clients? Oh, they better work at the Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Sherman Williams, Portillo's, which is a sandwich shop uh, nobody cares about, and, uh, and the Salt Cave. I've mentioned this before. It's a, uh, a company here in Minneapolis where they have a place you can go to. I've driven past it. It's a small little tiny shack, like some sort of weird uh, strip mall made of two stores. It's really weird. Uh, and yeah, it's on one level. You go there. I guess maybe they have extensive basements. I have no idea. But you go there, and they uh, they have glass walls uh, that are made of some sort of Himalayan salt lamps. And, uh, oh, Jesus. Hi. You're literally interrupting me in the middle of my show. <laughs> you better have something goddamn interesting to say. I don't. I'm not editing any of this out. I don't. I'm back from work. Great. I'm back, and you need to know. <laughs> okay, great. I'm literally recording you, <laughs> pile of shit. Recording what? A podcast. About what? Doorglass Incorporated. Did you know that they, uh, one of their clients is the Salt Cave, where they have Himalayan salt lamps for walls, where they lit from behind, and you can do yoga, and you can do paddle boarding, and you can do meditation, other white people shit, white suburban people shit, and then uh, you can't touch the walls. Audrey, you I'm, can't touch the walls. I'm very sorry I asked. You can't touch the walls. You go to their website, they even say, don't touch the goddamn walls. If you touch the walls, they're going to kick you out. By who? Minneapolis police. The worst kind of police you could possibly have. If you scare them, they shoot you. So don't get taken <laughs> out by the Minneapolis police. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much paddleboarding you try to convince them that you do, they're going to shoot you anyways if you startle them too much. So with that, uh, also, besides the call, uh, Salt Cave, Applebee's. How was your work day, my sweet? <laughs> it was very good. Thank you for asking. You ruined my Doorglass Incorporated commercial. You Whoa. shat all over it. Very <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What books have you been reading since this is a book-related podcast? <laughs> Say it! Smooth, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Say it! <laughs> what have you been reading? I've been reading that spin one by... I don't know what's by. I'm not going to pretend like I know. What's it roughly about? What's it's the premise? It's that sci-fi one where um, there's, like, aliens that put the Earth in, like, a... They, like, they, they bubble wrap the Earth, right? <laughs> and so the Earth is spinning a lot slower than the rest of the Because space. of the inflatable bubble wrap? Probably. Okay. <laughs> and so, like, you know, if they send a spaceship out in space, it's mm -hmm. two days for them, but it's been, like, ten years for real. Oh, so they're trying to figure time out. And space? Yeah, so they're trying to figure out what they can do to the, like maybe they find. So they've been trying to like put life on another planet, mm -hmm. so that like in a couple years Earth time, which is like a couple thousand space time. How do they get past the bubble wrap? They can. It's <laughs> I don't know. I don't ask the specifics. I just read it. <laughs> I love it. What they can? Oh, it's because they nuked it. 
Oh, they nuked a hole in the bubble wrap? Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. So it's like... That's a pretty American approach to any problem. Nuke it in every <laughs> Halloween movie. Oh, I read that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nuke it. There you go. I don't like what's going on. Can we nuke it? So, yeah, they've, like, popped a hole in it, and they can send. So they, mm-hmm. they sent human beings to Mars. Yeah. And now there's a Martian guy. Who's oh, well, like well. super evolved, and he comes back to Earth to try and tell him what to do. He's super sun. evolved because of the time difference, or because... Because of the time difference. Like, oh. it had been, like, five years for Earth, but it had been, like, multiple generations for these Martian people. Because they're not bubble-wrapped. Uh, does it, is their brains bigger? How do they get super evolved? Do they have know. bigger pecs? They're different. How's their glutes? They're shorter, and the gravity's <laughs> the gravity's different, so their muscles are different, oh. and their skin is like almost black because it's so sunny because there's not really the atmosphere. clouds and stuff. Yeah. Sure. Oh, sure. Well, look at you. You have to give so, an update. How's it going so far so in the, the story? M- is there a love interest? Yeah, but it's weird. Why is it weird? It's because it's like she's a childhood friend, and she's just like fully not interested in him, but he's like kind of always been obsessed with her so it's less love and more like I like the idea of you oh just like the book I'm fucking reading Castle of Terror (laughs) she runs into her horse camp friend and he's just like I'm instantly in love with you because I knew you once when you were 18 yeah nice yeah that's how love works because he like knew her when they were kids before the earth got bubble wrapped (laughs) shut up (laughs) I know the book's the best term for it okay fine (laughs) I don't know what the actual term is Well, oh. I'm trying to do a show. Can I move on? Oh. You literally <laughs> asked me about my bubble wrap story. That's true. You it's not bad. Is the book think? good? Is the book fine? It's fine. There's two more. <laughs> I haven't even finished the first one. Is the book worth finishing? The first one? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, they react pretty realistically. I feel like to like, bubble wrap. Like if something huge and horrible like that really happened, mm-hmm. it's not like crazy over the top reactions. Oh, sure, like Hollywood movie style. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how do people so how does do they do, do do they do a point of the view of the Martian, the tiny little Martian man going back to Earth? Is there anything like that? Well, they sent Like, boy, this place sucks. They sent a human being to Mars and then like 6 or 7 generations mm-hmm. later the Mars guy He comes back and he's short. That was the plan the whole time cuz then he okay. could tell them what's happening in real space mm-hmm. and how they can find another planet to live on before the sun explodes. Because since they're speeding through time really fast, they mm-hmm. only have like 30, 40 years until the sun blows up. Oh, seriously. So oh, they're wow, wow. What they're trying to do. Look at this book. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Well, everyone, say thank you to Audrey for being thank on the you, show. Thank you, Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> that's the base. Okay, get out of my podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> the Did I say Applebee's? If I didn't, Applebee's. Well, with that, why don't we retire up to the master bedroom once my kid gets out of here, and uh, we'll go on my silken sheets and my heart-shaped bed where we can read the uh, latest upcoming in romance literature from Penguin Random House Books. Hold on. Hold on, I'm coming. I just had to make sure that my kid was out of the room so he could be alone. Oh, the hell are you wearing? You're wearing like a tight pants, like Obama pants, middle-aged person pants. And uh, you're wearing a sweatshirt that says, kiss me, I'm a veterinarian. You got your name tag on a sticker on your chest. And uh, apparently a bag full of pet store swag. 
Why is that? I'm sure I'm going to find out since you're gesturing towards the book on my bed. The bed we never seem to use because you're constantly putting books on it. A book called uh, And Then Came You by Jill Shalvis. Shal- Shalvils. Can't pronounce that. S-H-A-L-V-L-S. That's an impossible. Where It's impossible to say. It's like a Lovecraftian name. Uh, about Then Came You. Well, a woman's world is turned upside down by one night's torrid fling in this animal magnetism romance from New York Times bestselling author Jill Chavels. No one's a best-selling author if the New York Times claims you're one. That's all I'm going to say. It's a scam. It's been a scam for generations, and they've been doing it forever. And I paid them 20 bucks. I could literally write something on a Word document and be like, make me a best-selling author, and they do it. Veterinary intern Emily can't believe she wound up in the small town of Sunshine, Idaho. <laughs> Instead of Los Angeles Clinic, she'd always imagined. Now she has to put her plans to move to L.A. on hold for a whole year while she fulfills the obligation of her vet school scholarship. Then Wyatt, her gorgeous one-night stand from a a Reno vet conference, (laughs) well, that explains your outfit, introduces himself as her new boss, and Emily has just drawn uh, to his seductive looks and his quiet strength as she was on her way to steamy night. Oh, she soon learns that Wyatt isn't just a laid-back doctor, but a delicious alpha male, tempting her away from her carefully laid plans. That sounds problematic. Someone with a sexual history is now your boss and lording that over you, but we're not going to question that. Go check out Then Came You by Jill Shalvels. Uh, it's part of the Admiral Magnetism Novels series. Uh, it's paperback coming out April 5th. I'll be in Italy at that time. Uh, we can get it from Amazon, Barnes Noble, Books A Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, IndieBound, Powell's, Target, and Walmart. Well, even if your outfit wasn't disgusting, I couldn't have sex with you right now because my kid is in the house and I don't want her to hear us. So with that, why don't we return back down to the smoking room and finish the rest of this book. Well, there you are. You finally waddled your way down. Would you get yourself another Sprite? Wearing that sweatshirt still? This is the reason why no one loves you. Uh, why don't we dive into the story? I stared as he walked into the light and then gasped in fright at what I saw. Oh, he was dressed all in black. A man wearing what looked like a, a black tights. Yeah, and a leather jerkin. <laughs> His clothes had to be of the Middle Ages. Uh, for no modern fashion was ever like this. And as though he felt my eyes were watching him. When he stopped and knocked at the door with the light, he turned his head and looked directly up my lighted window. Oh, I drew back quickly, my heart thudding. The man wore a black mask beneath the hood. This is creepy as hell. A mask that covered his face completely, except for his, uh, for his eyes and mouth. Uh, and while I wondered where I could appeal for help against the masked prowler below down there, I I heard a a door open and someone cry out sharply in terror. He was attacking someone down there. I was sure, exclamation point. I looked again quickly and froze, staring down dismay. A woman had opened the door to his knock. A young woman in white, frilly nightgown. It was she who had cried out at the sight of that masked face when she opened the door. Yeah, well, we got that picture. 
He had pressed her back against the doorpost, and he had his hand over her mouth, and I saw that the girl he held, oh, was Carla. Oh. I had to help her. Perhaps if I screamed at him, he would take fright and run away. I opened my mouth to scream, but the sound died stillborn. That's a weird way of writing that. For even as I looked, he had taken his hand away, and Carla was, was laughing at him. Oh, I heard her gra- gasp quite plainly. You fool. Oh, you fool. She stopped, whatever it was she meant to say to him abruptly, and he began to, to kiss and, and fondle her passionately. <laughs> she was drawing him inside to her. The door closed, and then the light went out. I became aware that I had grown cold really, in that hot, hot moment, and that I did not know what I should do. Eh, go masturbate. I crossed to the glowing fire and stood there staring into the fiery coals. Carla, I decided, had been expecting the man. Yes, because she's naughty. His outlandish clothes and mask had scared her, and she had cried out in fear. He had clapped his hand over her mouth because others down there might hear. Only when he was sure Carla recognized him, he had released her. She had been called him a fool, and we already read all this. And she knew him, and she was not afraid of him, and I frowned at the fire. Could there have been something going on at Stormhaven Village that I didn't know about? Well, the help is having sex with people. That's I don't know, not the worst thing in the world. Some festival or masquerade? Oh, sure, she's missing out on a party. Uh, a masked party or ball? Immigr- immigrant families remembered the religious festivals of their mother country and often still celebrated them here in America. Maybe Carla wasn't as crazy about Petro Renizzi as Shane thought. The man down there was her lover. I was sure of that, and he was certainly not Count Renizzi. Oh, he's too tall, too heavy for the Count, but he was Carla's lover. Then I sighed, crept into bed, and she was in no danger down there unless it was the danger of becoming pregnant, exclamation point. <laughs> Maybe the guy in the bizarre clothes and mask had seen me, but I was glad I hadn't screamed. What I had seen had been a lover's secret tryst. Untroubled now, I fell asleep almost at once. The others began to arrive shortly before lunch. Yasmin roared in through the gates in the first place to pepper the windows of the reception room with gravel as she braked. Uh, we had been waiting in there uh, with two men talking quietly about, about Shane's life in New York. Count Renizzi got up quickly as he heard the first car. Oh, he looked down at me questioningly with his eyes uh, dark and gleaming, and I nodded. Uh, that would be Yasmin, I said, smiling. She drives like that. Excuse me. Uh, four dots, and he was gone at once, hurrying to greet her. Shane shook his head. I see what you mean, he said in a low voice. I got up with Shane, and we walked to the windows to look out. Oh, oh, I expect to see Adam Lester. Uh, that wasn't her husband's car. It was Yasmin was driving. Oh, yes. It was Oliver Grant's big Jaguar, with Oliver climbing out stiffly and looking as pleased to plant his feet firmly on the good earth again as I expected Adam Lester would be. Yasmin's driving affected people that way. Oliver Grant was a tall man, oh, in his middle thirties, with uh, with blue eyes, uh, shaped blonde hair, uh, and a and a good physique. Oh, he wore a, a tweed jacket and and a cravat 
with a, a smart sport trousers, and like his friend, Gene Bethel didn't know the extent of his wealth from the shipping line his father had left him. Yasmin was laughing at him from behind the wheel, and I had never seen her lovelier. With her red hair windblown and, and her expression made vivacious by the excitement of driving a powerful car at high speed. Oh, Yasmin loved fast cars, though, the same way Adam Lester loved fast horses. Oliver Grant was walking around uh, to open the door for her while she waited, smiling for what she considered her due. But Count Radizi, coming down the steps, made him to it. Oh, he was helping Yasmin from the car. Welcome here. Oh, kissing her hand when she offered an ingredient. Oh, he caught her in a good mood, or perhaps because uh, he was her host for the next few days, she was uh, politely allowing her, uh, herself to respond to his charm. Oh, he knew Oliver from greenfields and racetracks, both in Europe and here. Oh, they exchanged a brief handshake. What have you, what have you done with Adam? I heard Count Renese ask Yasmin. She laughed. Oh, Adam drives as though uh, he's on his way to a funeral, Petro, she said. Oliver offered to let me try out his new car. Oh, Adam is driving the, uh, the Pantera down. Like, all right. Well, he'll be along for lunch. Gene isn't far behind us, and I can hear him coming now. You had a, you had a fast run down here, Oliver, Comradezzi asked politely. Oh, she should be driving the European circuit, Pedro. Oliver grinned ruefully. Oh, the thought occurred to me on the way down that that uh, Adam might be driving to yeah yeah <laughs> our funeral. <laughs> I could hear the other car coming. Jean Bethel, like Oliver, drove more smoothly than Yasmin. No, I told you how it is driving with Yasmin, but I thought Oliver was used to it. I said to Shane, uh, she scared Oliver this time. Maybe he hasn't uh, driven a hundred miles on a secondary road with her before, Shane suggested, grinning as he went to meet Yasmin and Oliver coming with Count Renese. Yasmin kissed us both lightly eh, and gave me a gave me a hug. Adam was pleased with the way you handled things in Augusta, Megan, she smiled. You've made things much easier for him since you came along, and that's good for both of us. He was talking about you to the Augusta attorney when we left. Oh, you should have heard him praise you. She turned to Count uh, Radizzi, leaving Oliver with us. Carla brought drinks, and Oliver chose a scotch. I, I needed that, he muttered as he sipped. Yasmin has this effect on me. His eyes followed her as she rejoined the Count. Oh, he carried his drink over to join him. Hey, mind if I uh, 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 cut in, Petro? Gene Bethel came in and was introduced to Shane. Gene is the opposite to Oliver in most things, except for the way that Yasmin affects him. Uh, he is short uh, and sturdy, with, uh, with, with, with black hair and brown eyes in light color that they appear to... Uh, ooh, uh, amber? Uh, he is older than Oliver and an oil millionaire. And like Oliver, he has much money, uh, like racetracks, and he has his own stables. Uh, they've been friends for years, but rivals on the racetracks. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And for Yasmin's variable interest, Gene quickly made Yasmin threesome a uh, foursome. It was a good half hour before Adam Lester drove up quietly to his wife's Pantera. A big man, he's 50, almost... Uh, 20 years older than Yasmin and has the same brown hair and green eyes Shane has. Sometimes they look more like father and son than uncle and nephew. Soon, everyone was going upstairs to freshen up for lunch. 
and I went with Yasmin and talked to her. Well, she changed. Ooh. Oh, she kept asking me things about the count and the uh, and the castle. Oh, and I began to think that that maybe Shane was right and Petro did have some sort of power over women. Yasmin was changing her mind about him. I could tell. The lunch was perfect. And afterwards, we followed the Count on a tour of the estate and the castle, all the way up to the top of one of the square towers, uh, which had a fantastic view over the sea and the sandy coves of Smugglers Island. Uh, there was a telescope in the tower, and we took turns staring through it at the, uh, at the uh, work boat, uh, a former uh, fishing boat. This sounds like the most exciting thing in the world, too use a telescope for. Let's just look at these boats. <laughs> it used to be a former fishing boat. Did you know that? <laughs> As its crew emptied crane pots of green green lobsters uh, from the inshore reefs, reabated them and allowed them to sink back again. A dinghy was pulled up on a sandy beach facing the castle and the two men were chopping wood that the count informed us was intended for our clam bake the next day. Oh, later came dinner with the freshly caught and cooked lobsters from Smuggler's Island, which on uh, Dominic had performed culinary mu- uh, miracles for the main course. Oh, we drank white wine with it uh, that came with the Renese vineyards on the Italian estate. Oh, the dessert, like the lobsters, came from the Count's new American estate. Blueberries and cream, warm by the dinner and the wine. We went off to dress for our... Uh, inspection of the Count's collection. You gotta dress up to go down to the basement and look at his murder devices. We gathered in the living room waiting for Yasmin, who is always late when she had to dress for anything. Oh, she had chosen a long sleeve, thick woolen gown that was almost medieval in its sweeping length and plain pattern. As always, she contrived to look fantastic in it, which I thought was more than she could be said for myself and my jeans and my heavy ski parka and, uh, and, uh, and a, and a, and a cap. But at least Shane seemed to like me in it. A maid I hadn't seen before brought in drinks and informed us that Count Renese had gone ahead to Terror Keep, as everyone seemed to call the dungeons now, and would, and would Shane show the rest of us the way to the stairway in about 20 minutes when the exhibition would be ready for us? Yasmin and the men, yeah, they accepted drinks. And talked about the castle. Oliver uh, had been to the Count's castle in Sicily and began to tell us about that and things that the Renese feudal lords had done in the medieval past that seemed unbelievable today. And it made us more serious about Count Pedro's collection of cruel uh, exhibits. I'm turning a page, so now it's screwing everything up. I want my Kindle back, most of which Oliver said, I thought for Yasmin's benefit, but had been used by the Renese family for revenge or uh, extortion in the not-so-distant past. Four dots. Well, with that, uh, why don't we retire to the smoking room, where we can review what the hell we just read. Well, there you are. Uh, why don't we settle in here and uh, let's recap what the hell just happened in this chapter. Uh, basically, we find out that uh, the guy 
Ugh. Still loves the girl. These birds, this is a bit I'm also doing. Uh, my girlfriend said, oh, wouldn't it be funny if you had more stuff in your mansion? Uh, you should get uh, uh, like a like a parakeet or something in your smoking, smoking room. And uh, it's jarring. And it's hard for me to do my thing with this bit. So I got parakeets now in the smoking room. And their tiny little lungs are filling up with uh, tobacco smoke from all the cigars and pipes and everything we're doing in here because we're classy, classy people. Uh, what's his name? Still loves what's her name. He's got no reason to love her, really, except that he remembers her from a couple year, couple years ago. Uh, that's kind of it. That just goes on forever. He even chases her up to her room, and uh, she's like, "Leave me alone!" And she gave her gave him a sisterly kiss, which is something that's uh, not helping. I'm not trying to say it's a it's a bad thing, but uh, it's not helping. So uh, then she closes the door and then just goes and gets naked and then gets into her slip and then just go, kind of goes up in the uh, up in the window and uh, just uh, stares out onto the night like I do. Every Friday night, I put on a silk shirt, unbutton it all the way down to my navel, and then hold a glass of scotch while I just look out my window onto the city. And so she's doing the same thing, mostly just to make sure that the world is still out there. Uh, and then she sees a man run up wearing a weird costume, and then uh, turns out he's just fucking one of the help. Uh, and then uh, after that, they just uh, she just kind of goes to bed, and then uh, Yasmin shows up in her car, and the hilarious bit that they keep doing is, boy, she drives crazy, because women in the 1970s were bad drivers, apparently. Uh, that's a bit they wouldn't let go of. And um, she shows up with someone that's not her husband, I think, and uh, I don't know. I don't care about that. And uh, then uh, they're going to go take a tour of the uh, the implements of torture in the basement. They all dress up for it and everything. Really weird. Except for our protagonist, just, just wearing like a ski jacket, a pair of jeans, because she, she's quirky. Uh, but anyways, uh, what's good about this? I don't know. Nothing's happening yet. Uh, what sucks? Nothing's happening yet. What did we learn? Well, I'm plowing through a chapter because I got to get a couple of these things up because I'm going to be in another part of the world. I'm not going to shut up about it because for the first time ever, I'm going to go over the ocean and screw all the rest of you. I might not even come back. You get uh, another two more episodes out of me and then that's it. I'm done. I'm going to be Italian from now on. And do Italians have podcasts? No, because they're smoking cigarettes and riding Vespas in tight little white suits, and they're just cooler than the rest of us, and I'm going to become one of them, and I'm never coming back. Well, with that, thanks for listening, and uh, I guess I'll see you on the next fake episode. Here comes a bird. Watch this. Yeah, love that. Seriously, why did I agree to this horseshit? Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. 
can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is a uh, house nuzzle. And conveniently enough, at Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a House Nuzzle. So I got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left.